0: This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week for episode 372 of the messiest Sith cousins in the galaxy, Kara Shamborski. Hi. And Brian Murray. Hello. Uh, thank you all for joining me today. I'm very excited to talk about comic books today because we have a very interesting topic that Brian and Kara brought to me. So I think we're just going to dive right into things. I've got the the two legally mandated questions that I have to ask on every single episode of this show, and that's how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's just jump right into things and start with you, Brian.
1: I've been good. Uh, it has been a, a, a good time for video games lately. I've got nice. the the Resident Evil 4 remake. The Horizon Forbidden West DLC just came out. So it's been tough for me to find time to to read the comics. Mm. But I did manage to squeeze in a little bit of reading. I, I, I got on Marvel Unlimited and saw this dark web event so i was like yeah sure i'll check it out so i started off with uh venom number 13 this is written by al ewing pencils by brian hitch inks by andrew curry and colors by alex and claire letters by clayton cowles i really kind of feel like uh you know the charlie brown bit where like lucy is holding the football and charlie brown runs at it and she pulls it out of the way just before he can kick it and he goes <laughs> back and falls on his back yes <laughs> that's that's me with like these marvel events Okay. Okay. Because um, every time I see one, I run head on at it, and then uh, it ends up getting yanked out in front of me, and this is no exception so far. <laughs> um, it's got to be like like there are there are bad events to pick up without context, and this has sure. got to be one of the worst ones. Oh no! Because this opens up with Eddie Brock, who is now just a symbiote consciousness. Like he's not a guy in a suit anymore. He is. A symbiote. He's also the king in black, apparently. That's the thing that happened. Okay. Danny's nodding
0: along at home. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: His son is dead now, except maybe not, but maybe he is. But, you know, time is weird. Uh, Oh, Madeline Pryor is here, um, and Mm -hmm. she's the goblin queen of Limbo. Yeah, you know, I, oh, well, I I thought the magic naturally. was queen of limbo. <laughs> let let me let me put my
0: uh, push my glasses up really quick here, Please, Brian. The um, love of God. <laughs> so to add a little bit of context, I know one little piece about this. So Madeline Pryor uh, brought back from the dead uh, via the Krakowin resurrection protocols, right? And Havoc was like, "Cool, my girlfriend's back," and she was like, "I don't ever want to speak to you ever again." And You know, Havoc is Cyclops' brother who is desperately in love with this clone of Jean Grey because Summer's brothers apparently just love a redhead. And, oh yeah, Madeline Pryor is a clone of Jean Grey. We don't have enough time, okay? We don't Uh, have enough time? What the hell? But, so, Madeline Pryor has been known for, like, witchy things. And at one point, magic you know the the x-men character she was like i'm kind of done being the queen of limbo and i need someone to take over and madeline Pryor is like well i don't want to be anywhere near havoc so is there somewhere i can go and magic was like all right let's see if you are evil enough to handle these motherfuckers in limbo and then they shook hands and now she is down there i you know i, now, I, I understand you know that like this somehow ties into the dark web stuff that because with spider-man i don't know how that's all connected but that's why madeline Pryor is the goblin queen of limbo because she's she's witchy
2: i was like ghosting an ex by becoming the ruler of a weird like goblin dimension sounds like a really really pro move like it's imagine
1: (laughs) being havoc in that situation oh yeah your your ex telling you i would rather go to actual hell than spend any time at all with you
2: yeah but if you're the ruler of actual hell and you get a title like the goblin queen that's pretty metal like those are those
1: are you could do that for sure
0: yeah So Danny in the chat is pointing out, yes, I did read New Mutants. I did read it enough to understand that much. uh, And then I gave up. I can't. I refuse. It's not engaging comics anymore. But I know enough to say that's why Madeline Pryor is there. So if that helps at all explain anything, Brian, now you have a little bit of of context on that.
1: If anything, Mike, I'm worse off now than I was before. (laughs)
0: i have more questions now (laughs) okay okay well you know this is a a great plug for a series that we uh have coming out next week actually called x mike's x-men blind box uh brian cara paloma and i sat down and talked about x-men comic books and i dropped them into a no context series and said hey read this book and uh tell me what you think of it if it made any sense
1: and brian's Brian's reaction here is about the same as when we recorded that episode. So, <laughs> I, I reacted that way to that episode because I did not know this was coming. Like, that that was child's play compared to what I'm feeling right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, well, Kara, um, let's just jump over to you. How have you been? How have comic books been? What have you been reading?
2: Uh, look, between the Barbie movie trailer and the Ahsoka trailer... <laughs> been living my best media life now as uh you know I am just consumed with all of these like Star Wars feelings which is why I'm dragging you along on this adventure today after mm-hmm, the break mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um until then and until we get all Star Wars with it um I have been reading the uh first collection of Disney's Silly Symphonies comic strips collecting the comic strips from 1932 to 1935 starring bucky bug and donald duck um and this is like brand new from fanagraphics this is like i think they said in the introduction the first time that these comic strips have been collected like since they were published or something which is so wild to me because i'm like hasn't disney mined their entire ip for content (laughs) guess not guess we're going back to the start of it and that makes sense like this is their 100th year anniversary they're doing a lot of like deep dives into their archive they've right. got the rights to uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back who was the character who preceded Mickey Mouse and then Disney learned the value of holding on to your IP with an iron fist and made Mickey Mouse instead and the rest is history <sighs> and it's a small world after all and it's just um, the silly symphonies are a they're a uh, animated Series that was airing in, uh, you know, this is pre television, so airing in the cinema prior to feature length films, you would have like a cartoon short. You would have like a Bugs Bunny cartoon or a Mickey Mouse cartoon. Um, And running concurrently to the Mickey Mouse cartoons in the theaters were these silly symphonies. Uh, animated shorts and they were really focusing on the disney animation studios innovations in like sound like the first like full Mm -hmm. color like sound synchronous animated short was flowers and trees i think and that was a silly symphony and they really focused on music um walt disney was like really into bringing music to the masses that's what fantasia came out of this silly symphonies lineup basically silly symphonies is like the younger more like slapstick cousin to fantasia if you will um so not a lot okay. of dialogue and a lot of like music-based action so you're probably thinking how do you translate this into a comic strip which doesn't have music and the answer is they decided to make all of the words rhyme so reading the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> is like
0: sure sure it would have been better if this just like opened up and like each page played a little music like a greeting card or something that'd be fun.
2: We're talking Maybe. about the Great Depression era newspapers, Mike. <laughs> There's only so much they well, can do.
0: <laughs> listen, Kara. So,
2: the so they were it's depressed. So it's really cute. Um I I think some of the like feel of the animation translates really well. Uh Disney again learned his lesson very harshly with Oswald the lucky rabbit and like kept an iron fist on that ip forevermore and um they actually like kind of put their foot down with king feature syndicate and said no 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 no, no. don't worry no we're going to make the comic strips in-house and then we'll send them to you and then you can distribute them thanks Hmm. so um they did have like disney people working on these comic strips and coming up with all these like cute little rhymes and um the star of the show is this character called bucky bug and the start of his adventures are him getting a name so you're watch like the first strips in this book are just like writing directly to the audience breaking the fourth wall and saying what should we name our bug (laughs) and it's just it's like it's a different time you're like man like writing out directly to the disney fans in the newspapers and saying what do we name this character and people wrote back like that's so unbelievably wholesome and a different feel to like posting a tweet and asking for replies you know so (laughs)
1: things things did get really dark when the people voted to have bucky bug beaten to death by the joker though
2: (laughs) so um and apparently i haven't gotten to this part yet but donald duck shows up but they made him yellow inexplicably his character design in this strip collection is like very different from the stuff that we'd be like you think of donald duck the duck that is in this comic strip is very different aesthetically to the Donald duck of today. Um, So it's, this has been, uh, this is an interesting journey into this like niche deep dive of Disney history. And I'm enjoying it so far. And the rhyming has not gotten annoying, but also again, this is a book where I'm like, I don't know if I'd sit down and read this whole thing in one setting, but like, it's nice to have it on a table so I can like pick it up in between stuff and like read a few Mm -hmm. strips and, you know it's delightful yeah it's, so is
0: this did you grab this like in a, in a physical edition then
2: yeah yeah, yeah. this is a okay. this is a book this is a like i don't know it's like the the orientation is um landscape not portrait so that oh, okay. you can get okay. like the comic strips and it's like slightly oversized it's a again it's fanographic so it's a really beautifully made edition
0: Gotcha. OK, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Fantagraphics has been doing a lot of those Disney collections. I couldn't. I got my Mickey Mouse one that I want, like the greatest adventures of Mickey Mouse. And I was trying to get one that was Donald Duck. And it was a, like a one of the best like adventures in Peru or something like that. And I couldn't get it because it was it was sold out like they they pre-sold it. And I was so frustrated by that. But um, yeah, they, Fantagraphics does not mess around with those collections. I think I talked about it last week re, or a couple weeks ago t- reading the Fall Guy for Murder, like a collection of EC comics. And I got this this uh, Mickey Mouse greatest adventures book that came out and it's just super duper high quality cardboard, but like it, it's wrapped up really nicely. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess let me, let me talk a little bit about what I've been up to. Um, I am currently in the middle of just, just my uh relaxing guy era. I think that's what I'm going to call it. I was going to be relaxed guy Mike for a little while of leisure. Yeah. I'm going to be a man of leisure for a while. Um, So expect me to just be 1000% dedicated to this podcast and reading comic books and probably playing a lot of tabletop RPGs and just being even more obsessed with Pokemon Go, you know, just double down and triple down on all my hobbies. Um, and that's who I'm going to be for the summer, I think. But um, I did read some comic books recently, and not a lot of really good comic books, unfortunately, like just that slump of of books. I've been trying to k- get caught up on things. And I'm like, I know why I've been avoiding some of these books. And it's because they've just been okay, which is a sign that I should drop them. And yet I'm still subscribed to them in some way shape or form. So I did read um, some zines, though, that I picked up. Like, there was a sale that happened on Itch a little while back, and I grabbed a bunch of zines um, for a slightly discounted price. And I read, My Boyfriend Has a Talking Dog. Um, this is by Arturan. It's a, it's on Itch. I'll post a link in the, um, in the show notes. But essentially, this is a 14-page little fanzine about Scooby-Doo and about how Shaggy and Fred met and started dating. And it's really, really cute. And it's like, hey, man, you want to go smoke some weed on my roof? And then they start holding hands and it's like, oh, that's nice. And that's the end. It's kind of just like really straightened to the point. But uh, I thought it was really cute.
2: That's been on my list for a while now. So I'm delighted to hear that it is actually cute and I should actually buy it.
0: Yeah, well, and it's 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 a reminder that like... I remember there was some folks I used to work with at Comixology and they went to Japan and they brought back a bunch of doujinshi, right? That were like some of them a bit more explicit than others. But um, there was a couple, there was one in particular that was about Kylo Ren and Hux and about how they were just like boyfriends. And it was all in Japanese but like you didn't need to know the dialogue to understand kind of what was going on it was just about them like going to the beach and their mannerisms of like being frustrated about the things that happen when you go to the beach and I was like oh man how come no one in the United States makes these kind of books and it's like one because all of these big corporations will come down with you with the fest of a thousand sons um but second it's like there isn't really a good marketplace for this. And then I wanted to just hit myself in the head with a hammer as I said that out loud, because itch is the place for that Gumroad is kind of the place for that where people can sell these little fanzines. And as long as they don't really get too in depth in trying to go like trying to tell real stories with these characters, they can kind of get away with it. And something like my boyfriend has a talking dog mentions, Fred mentions Scooby, but there's no like, name dropping of like copyright things uh, you know they say shaggy they say fred but they don't say scooby-doo right they don't mm. say velma and, and and things like that they they get around it but clearly the characters are there but like they're slightly altered to kind of get ste- sidestep and get in this kind of like parody satire zone um and i like that and i think those types of stories are fun and they like these types of, you know, you only pay a few dollars for a couple of pages, but it's really fun to just like imagine these characters in other ways that aren't just hyper corporatized, you know, by Warner Brothers or Disney or, or Pixar or whoever it needs to be. So again, um, I don't know. I highly recommend that. There's a bunch of these. Go ahead.
2: That's why I that's why historically I've consumed a lot of my nerd media through fan fiction. I don't like I want to watch Transformers. But what I really want to do is read fan fiction about Transformers, because that's like more in depth than the stuff that the show like made for children is going to give me. Right. Or like I'll read DC comics, but I really want to read a good fan fiction about like. The characters because the nerd fan knows the last 40 years of canon and is going to pull all that into their book. Whereas for the big two, sometimes when you're reading a comic
0: book, you're like,
2: have you read your own stuff before? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I recommend if you see this kind of stuff on itch or wherever just you know throw a couple dollars towards a the creator these are books made out of like an extreme amount of love for a specific fandom and i think you'll have a good time and this one 14 pages for a few bucks is pretty good um you know it's there's a whole argument to be had about like well how much does a single issue cost and i'm just like this is a this is a different thing this is a labor of love it's worth your money it's worth your time so i'll post a link to that in the show notes um as well as uh, i've got another one that i'm i'm going to be reading next called the legend of gay zelda which i'm very excited to read <laughs> that's that's on my <laughs> list um but anyways uh brian in
1: a in a a similar vein to that uh if you ever get the chance to see a play called dog sees god i highly recommend it it is an unlicensed uh peanuts spoof or parody um but it's a a very dark comedy that opens like what happens when snoopy dies (laughs) and it's just like the teenage peanuts gang dealing with their trauma yeah
2: no I mean, they were, no, they were, come on. They were like moody adults already as children. Like, don't bring, don't bring adolescence into this.
1: It's, it's, it's very good. I've seen it twice. Yeah, definitely. I, uh,
0: I guess, Brian, let's, let's jump back over to you and talk about something maybe a little less depressing, (laughs) but I don't know. Maybe it is Uh, more depressing. Who
1: knows? uh, Certainly less depressing. Certainly not any more sensical. Okay. Um, uh, and, Brace yourselves for a wall of credits here because I want to give credit where it's due. And uh, The Amazing Spider-Man number 14 has the longest credits list I've ever seen on a single issue. It's written by Zeb Wells. Pencils by Kyle Holtz, Michael Dowling, Terry Dodson, and Ryan Stegman. Inks by Kyle Holtz, Michael Dowling, J.P. Meyer, Rachel Dodson, and Tim Townsend. Colors by Terry Dodson, Dan Brown, Marcio Menes, I think it's pronounced, uh, Matt Hollingsworth, and Rachel or Richard Isenove. And letters by Joe Carmagna. So this book was definitely rushed, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, they did that thing where like it, it has like time skips in it, and I think each time skip has its own art team.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Which, which
2: sometimes works, which sometimes, sometimes.
1: works. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not this time. It it, it it did not work, but it also like I don't. <laughs> it did not add anything to the experience for me. Um, probably okay. cause I was spending the whole time going where the fuck is Spider-Man? <laughs> um,
0: wait, the, it's the title. It's the, it's amazing Spider-Man the book, right? And he's not in it.
1: Well, Ben, Ben Riley is in it.
0: Oh, I don't know. Okay. I don't
1: know if he's the amazing Spider-Man now that could just be like a thing that I missed because again, uh, going in with no context was not, not a good idea for me. It's just deploy mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. get
2: your money. They're like these nerds will buy anything with Spider-Man or X-Men on it. Just slap that on the I mean, cover.
1: <laughs> I mean, that was on the cover, like for the, the the Dark Web event on Marvel Unlimited. It's just like Spider-Man and Cyclops.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean that worked me. It got me.
2: <laughs> I'm just envisioning like media. The media landscape is like a pond. And everything that is being, like, posted is just all these little, like, lures in in the water. And we're all the little, like, loser fish swimming around <laughs> below these lures. And the second they throw in a lure that has, like, an X-Men, Mike just goes right for it. And everyone's like, oh, oh, yeah, you no, yeah. Mike, don't go towards the light. And he's like, I need it.
1: <laughs> gotta, gotta touch the butt. Gotta touch the butt. Yes. Uh Ben Ben Riley is going uh, as chasm in this. And he literally uses the the phrase I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's only the effect of because that's what's inside me now.
0: Oh I don't uh. Oh my gosh.
1: Because I'm one step apparently to
0: the edge and I'm about to break.
1: Exactly. He he is as edgelord as edgelord gets. <laughs> um, perhaps only surpassed by his edgelord girlfriend. Who is who? Who gets uh, powers when, uh, when Madeline Pryor gives her the finger in uh, in, in Limbo? Uh, it's some kind of like magical demon finger thing that she just kind of like pushes into her chest, and she gets uh, Halloween powers. I think it's unclear. <laughs> Uh, Wait, but she Janie's gets the nodding. name Hallow's Eve.
2: Wait. When you said giving her the finger, I was envisioning, like, you know, cursing at somebody through a hand gesture. Like, and you're and you're describing, like, no, she, like, shoved her finger into her chest cavity and now she has powers. What?
1: It, it wasn't I- Madeline's finger. It was a finger Madeline had.
2: I don't like that description. I don't like that, I don't like it, that In one my bit. defense, I almost
1: I almost said Madeline Pryor fingered her. So I...
2: <laughs> Is everyone at Marvel okay? <laughs> I
0: mean I love Zeb Wells, but I think he should be banned from writing comics now.
1: <laughs> Definitely needs like a wellness check. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my lord! Uh, anyway, then uh, Ben and Madeline bond over their shared clone trauma. Okay, um, cool. I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, and over the series of time skips, they grow a tree. The fruit of which will make your soul leave your body if you eat it, uh, and then somebody else can inhale it and take your memories. Revealing that is his his whole plan is to to feed this fruit to Peter Parker so that he can take his soul.
2: Okay, I okay. I know that my whole brain is like wrapped around Star Wars right now, but this is some mm-hmm. like pre Disney acquisition Star Wars shit. <laughs>
1: like, really <I mean>, <laughs> wild.
0: Is this like an allegory for the Bible? Maybe. Like, it's Ben Riley the snake and Peter Parker is, is Adam or Eve? Wait, hold on. How did that story go? <laughs> Who way. ate spare ribs?
2: Who, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not how that went at all. <laughs>
1: Okay. Dumbest joke. This has been uh, sophomore (laughs) theology with Mike Rappin.
0: Um. (laughs) <laughs> okay, let me let me just move past that moment of, of absolute Yeah, for stupidity. love of God, like,
1: get me away from this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let me talk about the best comic book that everybody didn't buy last week. How about this? Um The Great British Bump Off Number One. This is by John Allison, Max Sarin, Sammy Boris, and Jim Campbell, um, writer's artist, writer, artist, colorist letter. Um, this is the team that brought you giant days, and they're back, and they're telling a murder mystery/slash baking comic that takes place in a fictional great great british bake-off set where someone gets killed and the one the main character of the story who is also a contestant has decided that because she was one of the three people who knows that this person is murdered she needs to solve it because they still need to fit film episode one but they're just going to say that the dead guy is out for a medical reason that's not not wrong (laughs) I mean, right, it's that's not really a spoiler for the book, because that's literally the first couple of pages. And uh, I think that this is probably the most fun I've had reading a comic book in a long time. Um, it's funny. It's got a really great hook. Max Saren's art is uh, impeccable. It's better than his giant Days stuff. And that's saying something like he's only gotten better as, a, as an artist. And I'm just happy to have this team together to tell another story that's very fun and is just super fast paced and wacky all at once. Even if you're not a fan of The Great British Bake Off, I think you'll get a kick out of this. Like British humor is running amok in this book, but it's in the same way that it was running amok in Giant Days. And if you don't really get it, you're still going to get it or still going to have a good time. Um, But yeah, it's goofy. It's whimsical. um, And I think if you do like Great British Bake Off, you'll love this book even more. Um, I really just want to talk about every single page of this book, but I can't. Um, All I can say is that the cast of characters that they give is just like an episode or the series of, or a season of the great British bake off where, Every single person is from like varying backgrounds and all these different things that make, you know, Britain go great place to live. Um, so you've got elderly people and you've got young people and you've got, you know, people of all sorts of different backgrounds and stuff. And it's a variable question of like, who done it? Who would be driven to kill this person and why? Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a mystery and the excitement of Great British Bake Off all in one thing. And I just I just love this book so much. It's so pretty and it's so fun. Um, And I can't wait for it to be collected so I can just give it to every single person that I know.
2: Yeah, this sounds precisely up my alley. Yeah. But also, like, yeah, I'm trade waiting. I'm a trade waiter now. I've I've totally changed my stripes. (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah, I can't believe I, I didn't know this was happening. I must have I must have heard about it and forgotten because there's no way that this didn't cross my path before. Oh, for now. sure.
0: For sure. I, I've, I've heard people mention this before. I just didn't know when it was coming out. And then I saw like, oh, here's a new comic book. And I was like, oh, I have to grab this. And I grabbed it off the shelf. So, yeah. Really, really good, though. Highly recommend it. So get into that. Um, But let's let's switch gears. Let's talk about comics that are on the top of our pile, comics that are new or old or just things that we've been meaning to read. We're finally pulling off the shelf and we're going to sit down and take a look at. So let's just jump right into things with Kara. What is on the top of your pile?
2: All right. I know a bunch of people have already talked about this, but I will finally be reading Golden Rage Volume One. It was described on this show as Golden Girls meets Bitch Planet. And that's enough for me. I don't need to know anything else. I I did see that it has mixed reviews. So it seems like people either really liked it or didn't like it. So I just kind of see, like having not read it yet, I just see that as, oh, this book is not for everyone and that's fine. And it yeah. sounds like it will be for me. So I'm sure it'll be fine.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's got the Tia seal of approval on it. So like, you know, you're yeah, kind of yeah. going in with at least a couple of thumbs up that you can trust.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that'll be, that'll be delightful. That'll be my little... I waited for the trade and then I waited for it to be on Hoopla so I didn't have to pay for it. And then here I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, if it's on Hoopla, I definitely should check this out too. That sounds, yeah. I'll yeah. probably put this up there after I read the book that I've got on my list. Dude, Brian, what about my, you? What's do my on thing, your
1: where I, I borrow it from Hoopla and then don't read it because that's, <laughs> look, that's, that's, only that's, my, my <laughs> that's only half the time. That's only half the time
2: for me. Sometimes I do actually read the things I borrow.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, for me, I, I'm I'm committing myself, and I'm saying it on the podcast, so I have to do it. I'm gonna read my Doctor Afra books.
2: <gasps> yes, I do have it. been
1: collecting Doctor Afra since Jump Street, and I haven't read a single issue of it in probably two and a half, three years.
2: Okay, but now you get to read it all at once and experience right, right, the yeah. whole thing without having to wait to find out what happens. That's awesome. I also have yeah. not read it in a few years, so maybe. I mean, it's time to get get back on board. That
1: yeah, go go knock all the dust off my polybagged single issues.
0: <laughs> so where are you starting from scratch then, Brian? Are you going to read everything from the get go, or are you just going to try to pick up from where you last left off?
1: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with uh, when they renumbered it. Okay, okay, cool.
0: Well, I can't wait to hear
1: what you think because I've read some of that
0: stuff and it's very good. It's very very good. It's a, one of the few Star Wars comics that I tried to keep up with for a little while.
1: Yeah, I mean, as long as we don't get too much uh, crossover shit polluting the time stream. Mm-hmm. um,
0: I have a spoiler. It probably will. I don't actually know off the top of my head, but, you know, it's Star Wars. I so
1: just like knowing the time that this took place. I'm almost positive that like War of the Bounty Hunters is going to leak in somewhere.
2: Probably. Yeah.
1: But Danny's giving that, us a that hard wasn't, yes. That wasn't so bad. I didn't hate yeah. that.
2: I don't remember cool. it. I, I think I read it. This <laughs> is totally forgettable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which is almost worse than being bad. <laughs> totally.
0: Um, well, I guess before I get into my pick, uh, we have some folks hanging out with us on Discord this week uh, who gave us their picks. Uh, Hugh is reading World Tree number one. This is the new James Tinian joint. Danny's reading Green Arrow number one. Paloma is reading Angels and Magpies, a Love and Rockets book, because as she said, she's trying to get caught up, which. Godspeed, Paloma. You know, I I salute you to get caught up on Love and Rockets. That's amazing. Somewhere Um,
1: Paul Jaisley sat up in his chair. He doesn't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, for me this week, I am going to be reading Sins of Sinister Dominion number one. How could I not? This is the final issue in the Sins of Sinister event that's happening in the X-Men universe. And um, it's written by Kieran Gillen, art by Paco Medina and Lucas Wernick, uh, colors by Brian Valenza and letters by Clayton Coles. As I wrote in my notes, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine because this Sins of Sinister event is ending the thousand-year timeline that we've seen in the books crossed over between Nightcrawler, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, and Immoral X-Men. It's all coming together. It's all closing in on itself with the big reveal that we got at the end of Nightcrawler's. I don't know what the hell is going to happen at the end of this, but I'm very, very excited. Um, The synopsis that Marvel gives us is seven trillion deadly sins, a thousand years of hell and damnation comes to an end with the loudest scream in history. And for the truly guilty, there is no escape. Can the future change the present or will we just make all the same mistakes again? Either way, the present will have to live with the future sins, which come on. This is like the most Kieran Gillen shit ever. I don't want to spoil how that could even make any possible sense, but all I'm going to say is that this issue this whole event is going to make the greatest collection for me to drop down on anybody who wants a no context X-Men. I'm going to go try this <laughs> fucko. You have you're going to have no idea what's going on because quite honestly, this is one of those books that like if you weren't reading four other books to re- before this to try to jump in blind, you would be totally lost. So, I can't wait to do X-Men blind box. Issue two. Um, if the folks like it on Patreon, this is gonna be the next one for sure. It's like the most up to date, and it is so absurd um in just everything that it does, and I love it. I love it so much. So I'm very excited to read the end of this this event because I've loved it all because it's everything that I want out of crazy X-Men like continuity all together packaged into one because you got Al Ewing, Sysbury, or Kieran Gillen working together. It's like the great British takeover, and I love it. I love it, I love it. So
1: it's just one of those like you could have said anything you wanted to, and I would have just bought it. <laughs> with with those three creators on board, right? No, like I would have believed you that this is what the comic is about. Yeah. <laughs> like no, any I... bullshit that you spewed, I would have gone, yeah, that's I guess that sounds about <laughs> yeah. right. I think yeah. the
2: last sigh Spurrier thing that I read was The Spire like a million years ago. But I remember mm. like being obsessed with that book. So that's like. I'm down. I'm sure it's ridiculous, but I'm down. It'll be good-ish. Yeah. In the way that I, some comic books are like not good. But if you're like really deep into them, you're just like, yes, this is for yes. me. This is not for the casual fan. This is for me. I
1: mean, I'm just gonna say, like, this the is context, my hole. It was made for me.
0: The <laughs> context of Cy Spurrier's run almost goes all the way back to his X-Men Legacy run that he wrote years and years and years ago. <laughs> See, um, this is which- like This is like
2: going into the fan fiction where the nerds go deep. That's, that's, this is the like authentic canon version of that. I'm down. Yes. I'll do that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, if you're, if you're out there and you're also reading the Sins of Sinister event, please, please give me a call. Like, and let's, let's talk about it. Um, because I feel like I'm the only person, it's me and Danny, um, I think who are reading it. Um, maybe Hugh, I think, may be reading it. I'm not sure, but, um, give me a call. It'd be great to hear from you. Um, anyways, let's, uh, (laughs) brian <laughs> brian posted a picture in the chat of <laughs> a guy crawling into a hole that says it was made for me um from some it's, manga that i'm pretty the, sure it's uh, people uh, find...
1: Ito comic uh it's something about a fault i can't remember what the name is but yeah Amigara we'll figure it fault. out in the break
0: yeah but um let's take a quick break um when we come back we're gonna be discussing the topic that i have written in the notes which is messy sith who live for the drama so we're going to get into that when we come back. So we'll be back in just a second. For our show this week, we are talking about messy Sith who live for drama. That is a correction from what I said before the break. It's not the drama. It is just drama itself. And upon reflection, looking at the books that we're going to be talking about, who Sith who live for the drama is the correct statement. So, I'm just going <laughs> to hand the the torch of this conversation over to Kara to explain exactly what we're doing here today. And then we're going to talk about some comics and why Sith are maybe the most dramatic characters or genre of characters in all of comic books. So, Kara, take it away.
2: Thanks, Mike. I can't take all the credit. This is me and Brian conspiring behind your back to make this show our perfect show.
1: (laughs) (gasps) Clutching at my pearls over here.
2: (laughs) Yes. You can't Uh, have
1: both of us and not talk Star Wars.
2: Yeah, Mike was like, so Kara, Brian, what's your topic? And almost immediately, Brian and I were DMing each other like, we're gonna make this about Star Wars, right? How can we make this about (laughs) Star Wars after having done... (laughs) a whole miniseries devoted to Star Wars a few years ago. There must be mm-hmm. more that we can turn around with this. Um and I think uh concurrently we had also realized that uh back in the day we were both enamored of the Joanne the Scammer videos. And one of my favorite quotes from that one is, I'm a messy bitch who lives for drama. So (laughs) decided to combine the two things. And I was like, Brian, let's just talk about the Sith. Let's just talk about the Sith. We'll go deep into the archives. There must be something in Marvel unlimited. We have a subscription. Let's just go spelunking. We'll go Sith spelunking. Let's go. So that's what we did. Brian uh, kicked us off on our journey by uh, sharing a, uh, a preview of a Darth Vader clad all in white. Who's a good guy, maybe. And, I uh I'm not on Reddit, but I've realized Reddit's potential is a valuable like crowdsourcing tool. So I just like Googled best Sith comics and immediately went to like the top Reddit result <laughs> and like looked at that. <laughs> so thanks, <Okay>. Reddit. <laughs> and, um so what we're doing today is we're not talking about comic books that are post Disney acquisition. Brian and I have already covered those in depth at length. And uh, we wanted to go like to some of the the
1: deeper, weirder stuff. We um, wanted to get you so, guys the real good shit.
2: The real good shit. So uh, this was actually also um, my first real foray into pre-Disney acquisition Star Wars comics. I had read some stuff before, but mostly the Star Wars tales series which is like an anthology series that dark horse did where each issue was a totally different one and done which i loved and a, like when i was younger that was a great way to get like more star wars without having to like like you know i hadn't found when i was reading these i was a kid i wasn't like in a comic book shop yet so
1: ao 3 yeah. didn't exist yet
2: yeah. <laughs> so, yeah yeah so um so we found uh some sith focused stories We're going to talk about a few series from the mid 90s and one that was being published in the summer of 2001. So all of the things that we're talking about are pre prequels also, which is an important distinction to note, because a lot of the stuff that's in the comic books is like almost immediately contradicted by the prequel films that came out a few years after them. (laughs) And I'm so mad about it. So (laughs) let's get into it. please. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to start by uh, briefly talking about the series star Wars infinities, because that's how we got on, on this in the first place. And this is also, um, this is a series that basically reimagines the original Star Wars trilogy and says, like, well, what if one small thing and these things changed? And so we were re- I was reading this series because I was like, where's this good guy Darth Vader that Brian's talking about?
0: <laughs> and well, oh, my goodness,
2: Brian, I read all 12 issues of this series and White Vader shows up on the last page of the whole thing. So <laughs> goddamn it all to hell. <laughs>
1: I I may have oversold him a little bit in the group chat. (laughs) It's a good book, though. I like it.
2: Yeah, Star Wars Infinity. So each it's basically like three miniseries published, like, I think a year after each other or something like that. So you've got like a reimagined and they're they're actually unrelated. They just you're taking a look at what if the original trilogy had something happened that changed, but then they do like different things that change. But your starting point is a different film. So, the White Vader was um, the Return of the Jedi film reimagined. Um, but, like, the plot twist is for reasons Leia gets Jedi trained by Yoda instead of Luke. And they okay. do. <laughs> Uh, or no wait that was no that's the second one i'm getting them confused because i got really excited during empire where like leia gets right you're okay so in the empire one let me go back i misspoke in empire strikes back the alternate version is that luke dies on date on uh hoth and so leia goes to dagobah and ends up getting trained by yoda and this has like nothing really to do with the sith but i just appreciated that like the second she arrives um, Ghost, Obi-Wan, and Yoda are like, yeah, so uh, Luke was your brother and Darth Vader's your dad. So like, she gets all this information <laughs> immediately, whereas Luke had to like wait. And I just appreciated that the writers of this comic work were just like, hell yeah, Leia can take that information right away. Right, right, right. She was a yeah. senator at 19. Luke was buzzing womp rats at his T-16. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, back to Return of the Jedi. So in this alternate, in this alternate pathway, um, there's like a bunch of convoluted stuff that happens. But the important part is that at the end, when Luke is on the second Death Star with Vader and Palpatine, Leia shows up to rescue him, and Luke and Leia are like, "Dad, quit it!" And Vader's like, "What?" what like he knew that he had a son but he didn't know that he had a daughter somehow so he was like I have I have a girl and he like because and so he has this like Leia's there for like five seconds the battle is almost immediately over Luke and Leia like drag Vader back to the ship and they're like going to leave and then Vader has his dying moment and then he's like my daughter you have saved me and i was like she was there for like five seconds what father daughter shit is this and then he Luke like
0: will forever have daddy issues after this but I no mean, no so then yeah but he doesn't after die, this yeah after this
2: but he doesn't die because they've saved him he's like you've already saved me my daughter uh. and so then he lives and they go back to the rebellion and they're like hey guys like we're gonna defeat all of the vestiges of the Empire. And they're like, how? And they're like, we have help. And then Vader walks in in his white suit and he's like, I've changed. And I'm like, bitch!
0: I imagine, sorry, when you're talking about this, all I imagine is like, Leia shows up and says like, don't worry, we're going to save you. He goes, you have saved me. And then magical girl transformation happens of like black Darth Vader suit into white Darth Vader suit. (laughs) That's the end of the comic. (laughs) Uh, I... I would have
2: died if that, like, that's what they should have done. That's incredible. Just
0: just 23 pages of Vader just, like, getting close-up shots like a Sailor Moon cartoon of just, like, every piece of him transforming and fading from black to white. Like, I would just, I would love that.
1: (laughs) See, this This is the reason... This is the reason why like messy Sith who live for drama came up though because what is more dramatic than Vader in an all white suit like <laughs> strutting into rebellion headquarters like I think I could be of some assistance. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean
0: <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we so we started there. Okay. So we started
2: there and I was like, okay. This was fun, but this was not what I was looking for. And also, the art is objectively terrible in all of these. So I have to <laughs> yeah, live with I'll these admit. faces for the rest of I'll my admit. life.
0: I didn't read this series because I was like, oh, 12 issues is too long. I did read a couple of issues of the shorter series. So just for anyone at home that's playing oh, along, I, I did not read this. But I'm loving this recap. I'm absolutely yeah, loving yeah. this recap. No,
2: Mike looked at my reading list and was like, no. <laughs> Thank you.
0: (laughs) I mean, kind of. (laughs)
2: Yeah. It's okay. I was originally going to go through this and just be like, Mike, read this one. Mike, read that one. I was like, never mind. I'm just going to explain everything to him and get his reactions. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Uh, So then I read Dark Lords of the Sith, which is, um, I guess they were doing Dark Horse when they were doing um, the Star Wars comics. They had like a Tales of the Jedi series that in Marvel Unlimited, they like chopped up into little like miniseries. And so this is the, uh, all these are like six issue arcs. This one is called dark Lords of the Sith. And, um, this was part of the, the, I want to know what dark horse was doing with the star Wars IP in the nineties before the prequels came out. And the answer is they were having fun. (laughs) Hell yeah. Within a few. I did read.
0: I did read a couple of these and I will say, I thought that just the first issue alone from this arc was the reason you guys wanted to have this conversation because of how extra these, these Sith cousins are, but go ahead explain the story for folks at home. I just like who was floored by it.
2: So yeah, my goal of going into these was to be like, okay, what is like the deal with the Sith? Because we know they're the bad guys, but there's a lot of like star Wars extended universe stuff, pre Disney. That's like, all right, but like, what if the Sith had a history? What does that history look like? And the bad guys always mm-hmm. have more fun, so let's have fun. As Mike mentioned, our story kicks off with um, two like aristocrat cousins who, like off camera, have gone off and found some like Sith magic, and so they've like come back to their home planet to like stage a coup against one of their dads and take over. <laughs> and so within like two pages, the girl one like uses her Sith illusion powers to like make the advisor's tongue look like a giant thick snake come dragon coming out of his mouth. And then speaking yeah. of spe- speaking of fingering, one dude sticks his finger towards the <laughs> dragon thing. And that just gets like totally sucked into it and absorbed. And I'm just like, Oh, someone saw alien and thought, how can we make this more phallic? Like,
0: yes. Yes.
2: That's what this is.
0: It's it's a lot. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of like he- there or like uh, one of the, the boy one <laughs> I'm sorry, I, d- I did not bother to learn their names. Star Wars names it's at this fine. point were consonant soup. So the boy one is like yeah, I got the minister right here. He agreed to join us for dinner and he like unveils the dome of the tray in front of him and it's the minister's like desiccated head on the tray. Oh my God. And, this then, like, is...
0: and then a weird bird
2: comes down and just like scoops it off the plate. <laughs> this is not <laughs> the first time we'll see the Sith decapitating someone. <laughs> this is like Star Wars, the joke of Star Wars is like everyone always loses a hand, but um, I think the Sith were like, why take the hand when you could take the whole head?
0: <laughs> so, Apparently.
2: So this is like, God, this book was like so 90. So there, you're like getting more on this world where like this this particular book took place across like three different planets. So there were like a lot, a lot of plot going on, a lot of characters. But my takeaway from this was that this was like instead of the Sith being like, oh, there can only be two, which is a lot of the stuff that we know. Of now and think of when we think of the Sith they were actually like a civilization or like a way of life or the Darksiders have, have like a political force in the galaxy I took a screenshot of this one guy saying Darksiders your day is finished in a crowd because I thought it was really funny that if you look at his yeah. hand he's holding it up and it's like his pinky is up I think the artist yeah, meant to like- draw like a finger an index finger pointing but it's just his pinky and I was like alright Pinky's I mean, up for the coup. Maybe that's the
0: Star Wars. Maybe that's the Star Wars middle finger. It's just like <laughs>
2: pinky's up. Show him what you mean. Oh wait, I did write down the name. The boy one's name is Lord Keto, and I oh yeah, I was really amused by that. So if you have anyone um, in your life who's like who is Keto, you can just be like, "Oh, Lord Keto, the
0: <laughs> Lord Keto."
2: Yeah. So there's like one of the Jedi in this series is like trying they, they the Jedi in these series are dumb because they're doing the whole like to defeat the dark side I must understand it I must become one with it so this one dude goes off to like find the root of the Sith he goes out to find like the Sith temples because the Sith had a whole world and so he shows up at this temple thing that looks straight out of something that you would have seen in Indiana Jones so I'm like Oh, sure. All right. Mid-90s. Hell yeah. Uh, The temple is guarded by, like, zombie space pirates that there is only, like, one panel of them, but they looked like the visuals from the Pirates of the Caribbean film that wouldn't exist for another, like, decade. And I was like, hell (laughs) yeah, yeah, zombie space pirates. Let's go. (laughs) And I just, like, this is the part of the book where I was like, this is not good. It is delightful. (laughs) This is not figured it out. This is not a good comic book. Like the art is not very good. There's like an over reliance on narration. It's very hard to keep track of the different plot lines. But lettering
1: hurt my head.
0: Yeah. The 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 (laughs) the the text that they The text that they chose or the font that they chose for everything is like, I had to feel like I had to squint at it. Like I felt like an older person who just didn't need the reading glasses. And I was just like, what are they trying to say here? Who's who's Din keto? Who's who's Clark (laughs) for Like I didn't I couldn't figure out if that was a name or a place or a blurred text.
2: But (laughs) but I super appreciated that the creative team was just like they were going for it. Like there's a bunch of the Jedi who are like, non-humanoid and like their mm-hmm. different strengths are highlighted so like in in the movies especially the prequels we fall into the trap of all the jedi are like training with a lightsaber like luke was on the millennium falcon because that's what the nerds want because that's what's familiar to them but the, in this one it's just like this jedi telepathically links the whole jedi council when they're present and if you want to speak you have to indicate your eagerness to speak to him and then he will like telepathically select you and i'm like hell yeah like Hell yeah!
0: <laughs> so, well, it's really, it's really mystic, right? Like so much of this, specifically this book, was like, yeah. there's sorcerers and the Sith. There's all magic, since so, like they use magic as a word and like a describer for everything that these people learn about the Sith, like constantly throughout this thing. Like yeah. it's less of a inborn sci-fi thing and more of a like ephemeral like there is no clear definition and it varies from person to person like the 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 jedi trainer who's like i don't use a lightsaber because i just prefer to use my staff it's got better reach and with his jedi force powers he can control his staff to be as powerful as a lightsaber like what a cool concept to say like it's not about the weapon it's about the will like anyways i, I know no, i'm a little bit ahead of what you're talking about but i, no, I like course. that they the way that they did that in the 90s of just like it's not just a single thing like the force is is different for every person which means that they can fall into the trope of like only women are psychics <laughs> which i well like... okay
2: they ha- that was one character i know
0: i know i know that's
2: one character but um i did think it was interesting also cuz again this comic book came out way before the prequel films did mm-hmm. And so I was, like, shocked by some of the stuff that I shouldn't, like, I wouldn't have been shocked by. But the prequels, like, drilled it into my head as, like, this is the way. But um, there's multiple Jedi shown in romantic relationships with each other. And people are, like, mm-hmm. fine with that. It's, like, not even a thing. Um, the psychic one, Nomi Sunrider, which, rad name. And I found out yeah. she's got a whole arc just devoted to her. So, hell yeah, I'm going to read that. Um, she's got a daughter. She, like, brought her daughter to the Jedi Council nobody's saying like oh no me you should go take care of your daughter you don't have time to be a jedi they're just like yeah like leave, leave your kid with the caretakers we got to go get on the starship you're the general mm-hmm. let's move and i'm like yes 90s feminism thank you oh, there was,
0: and then there was the one the one character who's like her husband died so she decided to become a jedi yeah like yeah
1: as yeah. a fully grown adult ass
0: woman yeah yeah,
2: yeah. there's just a like, lot i'm
0: just I'm going to pick up the literal samurai sword from my husband and carry on for him. Like really just pulling that thread, which I loved. There, there were
2: a ton of, um, instances throughout these series that, that I read where they don't seem to have an age limit on being a Jedi. There's like, I'll, I'll mention them a little bit more later, but there's like, you can choose to be a Jedi. It's not just like weird monks coming to abduct you before you can talk. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah there's so the whole like the art i i did also like some some little details like the the person doing lettering although the writing was very cramped for like the sith ghost that's leading this one jedi to like his dark side doom whenever the ghost is talking the word bubble is like ringed in this like red fire and the words are like mm-hmm. extra chaotic and i'm like hell yeah hell yeah yeah so this was just like me getting mad that the prequels happened like I've always been mad about the prequels but this was like damn you had all of this like comic book canon laying down some really interesting stuff and instead you were like mini-chlorians and you can't have wives (laughs) like you know you know in the prequel movies there's all these like fighting with you know battle droids like the clone Mm troopers and the jedi fighting battle droids for the separatists and in this comic there's an example of jedi fighting battle droids and one of them is hacking away with his lightsaber and one of the older ones is like what the hell are you doing he's like what are you talking about get your lightsaber out we need to destroy these droids and the older jedi is like no bro like i fought droids before you just like reach out with the force and like disassemble them remotely and i'm like where where was this where was this in the films? Like you were just,
0: this is lost to history. You know, like the Jedi just forgot this, this teaching it's somewhere in the archives.
2: This is just like when you hand everyone a lightsaber, the lightsaber becomes the solution to every problem. When the solution to the problem could be like Jedi battle magic, where you use your psychic force to reach out and be like, our side thinks we're winning. The other side thinks they're losing. And so now we're using like psychological warfare to turn the tide in our favor. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. Rad, rad. Um, speaking thanks uh, for this... less
1: dynamic filmmaking, though.
2: <laughs> but like, okay, this was also um the comic where I had like a galaxy brain moment, where again, our our Jedi saying like, "I can understand the Sith and conquer them from within," and so he's like now listening to this Sith ghost who's taking him on a force quest around the galaxy, and the next location on his journey is to go to Yavin Four. Which, if you recall from A New Hope is the rebel base. And you know, they're in there's like Mayan-looking temples. Um, plot twist, turns out those temples are Sith temples full of dark force powers. <laughs> and they're inhabited by like the native race of that of Yavin Four is like descended from the Sith people or some shit. And it's like, really? We did. We did nothing with this after this comic book. You made the Rebel <laughs> Alliance being housed in a Sith temple and no one thought to be like, hmm, the vibes are not it.
1: <laughs> you know? There's in some of the old Star Wars novels, there is a whole thing about that. When like Luke is trying to rebuild the Jedi Order, he's doing it in the Masasi temples on Yavin 4. Right. Like, and like they have this uh, whole thing where like the ghost of Ulic Kaldroma is like wandering around and they have to fucking deal with (laughs) them
2: it's like congratulations your new jedi temple is inhabited by sith ghosts it's part of your training don't worry about it
1: like corin horn has to go full ghostbusters or something (laughs) no but like if star wars
0: is missing one thing i mean like sith ghosts would be a cool enemy right why bring back palpatine and when he could have just been a ghost that they needed to hunt down
1: just yeah.
2: could have been a ghost. Just could have been haunting everybody. Just like chilling in the chambers of Coruscant, like unable to be extricated because he's not done with his work.
0: <laughs> and then and then Rise of Skywalker just becomes a Ghostbusters movie and somehow Bill <laughs> Murray also shows up, right? Like we could we could have done it. We could have done that.
2: Could have done it. So like speaking of what Mike was saying about this one being all like mystical and magical and stuff, um, this one this one ends with there are two of our Jedi ends end up becoming Sith. And they each have, like, a magical Sith amulet. And so when they fight each other in battle, the amulets call out to each other and, like, awake the Sith Lords of old who speak to them and, like, make them new Sith officially. And now they have, like, symbols (laughs) on their foreheads. And it's, like, it's
0: so unbelievably, like,
2: Sailor Moon.
0: And I'm just, like... Dude, I gotta finish (laughs) this arc. This is awesome. (laughs) This is, like, double dragon meets, like... Jedi I love this Th-
2: this one is like this book was definitely I was mad for the first two issues because it was so bad and then I kept reading it and I was like wait no I rescind my previous arguments about how bad it is this is actually really <laughs> fun
1: it is it is still bad but it, it's recontextualized re- badness yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah this this is like so much more fantasy than sci-fi that it it honestly like almost redeemed the rise of Skywalker a little bit for me so i'm like my biggest problem was that was that was always like how are you using the force to teleport lightsabers around and stuff like that and that doesn't seem so crazy anymore
0: Oh, they were pulling from legends, Brian. That's all that we needed to say. Oh, like,
1: my God. I was, I was like, the force isn't magic. No, it turns out the force is magic, actually. <laughs> and it could do whatever you very want. Magic.
2: Actually, it was always magic. And it was just by making the prequel films and bringing midichlorians into the mix that we even had to worry about what it actually was. Yeah. Uh. All right. Which brings me to the Golden Age of the Sith. This is another like um arc within this Jedi ongoing Jedi series and this takes conveniently they had a timeline and they had a prologue page that explained exactly in the timeline where this was and they are like this is this takes place a thousand years before that other story you just read and I was like well conveniently I did just read this story so thank you for clarifying (laughs) where I am in this timeline that I'm now reorienting myself to um so we do get to see like some of the Sith temples like In their heyday. And this also like gets more into the fact that the Sith are a race of people on a planet. And the Sith Lords are fallen Jedi who like rule over them. And I'm like, yeah, that makes way more sense than like just one bad Jedi constantly finding one other bad Jedi. Like it makes sense that there would be like a whole lot of them at one point. Hmm. Anyway, um, so this whole arc was extremely swords and sorcery aesthetic, like everything about it. I was like, are you sure I'm not reading like sci-fi Conan the Barbarian? Like this is yeah. very,
1: <laughs> I mean, this Conan is right where my head went to
2: <laughs> this is this honestly like reading this book. Um, I grew up close to an amusement park that had a haunted house where the outside was like spray painted with a swords and sorcery motif. So it was a lot of like barbarian ladies in chainmail bikinis with like big eighties hair and like dragons with like really grotesque tongues leering at them and like goblins Hell and demons yeah. and shit. That's the aesthetic of this book is like, <laughs> just like airbrush. It's like a band
1: straight out of the eighties.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, so the Sith people basically look like planet of the apes turned red living their life uh, based off of like the ancient egyptians pop culture understanding so like we open on them seeing like the burial ceremony of one of the sith lords with like a sarcophagus and like sealing slaves into the tomb to serve the master in the afterlife Go on, so um sick stuff like that and i'm like okay 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 where is it going to get interesting and the answer was seeing the sith council where one of the sith is a head
0: <laughs> in a jar Like a Futurama head in a jar? Yeah, because his Sith powers
2: (laughs) were so powerful that even though he lost a duel with his enemy, he was still able to preserve his head and still be part of the Sith Council forevermore. Until, spoilers, somebody shoots him in the face later.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Makes Darth Maul seem almost pedestrian by comparison. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, maybe pedestrian's not the right word. He yeah, his like I think off. He had
0: trouble walking after a minute.
2: <laughs> um, so this is one where our, uh, you know, we're seeing the the Sith kind of having like infighting. They keep they make self references to like this being the golden age of their Sith Empire, and basically there's one Sith guy who thinks that everything's fine and they should just like hang out here, and this other his his opponent wants to like expand the Sith Empire and he thinks they're resting on their laurels and need to get out there and get some more planets as part of their, their roster. And this is um, this takes place when hyperspace travel is just becoming a thing in the star Wars universe. So it's kind of like Mm. you only really are aware of the planets around you unless you're linked to a hyperspace lane, which is like still being figured out. So I thought it was really interesting that our two like good guy characters are a brother and sister who looks straight out of a cone in the barbarian, her red Sonia story. And mm-hmm. they are piloting like a janky looking ship trying to explore hyperspace lanes. And they're like, we might die trying, or we could make like a million credits, finding a hyperspace lane that creates some good travel between planets. So they're like down on their luck they steal their ship back from the garage that's like fixing it for them. That's run by um, a hut in a fez. <laughs> and <laughs> they, <laughs> they steal their sure. ship back. They make a random jump to hyperspace. Unlucky for them, they jumped directly to the Sith planet. And so the guy who wants to conquer <laughs> other worlds is like, ah, perfect for my evil plans. I will just manipulate all the other Sith into having an external enemy so that they'll stop fighting each other and i'm like this is exactly what vladimir putin just did in russia okay this is like (laughs) (laughs) so he like manipulates all the other sith to um like stop fighting each other and start thinking about like going after the republic and conquering the republic um but the characters who were like the hyperspace explorers do have a moment where they're talking about how they were force sensitive. They're like thinking about their lives and how their lives like ended up here where they're trapped in this Sith dungeon. And they're like, Mm -hmm. we could have been Jedi. We just didn't have the patience to go through with the training. And I'm like, you can choose Mm
1: -hmm. as
2: like teenagers and or adults. You just, you said like, yeah, we're force sensitive, but we don't want to walk the path of the Jedi. And that was just like, fine. Okay. Um, which, you know, turns out for the worst when the boy one ends up getting just like taught some Sith magic by the guy who like in prison, he like broke them out of prison just to imprison them again and separate them so that he could like send the girl one back to the Republic and like get this war going. And the boy one is learning Sith magic. And because he doesn't have Jedi training or, like, knowledge of the Sith, he's just like, look at this cool magic. I can make dragons with my mind. And it's like, (laughs) kid. (laughs) oh,
0: He doesn't know. You can't blame him.
1: I'm very glad that I'm not the only one who couldn't remember these characters' names.
2: No, I just didn't even bother. I'm like, I'm so sorry, Jedi writers from Dark Horse from the 90s, but... You just threw a lot of consonants in the blender and I don't, but that said, that said, um, I was way more interested in this Star Wars chaos than I was by like any of the high Republic materials I've read, you know, like recently Disney has been like, here's our high Republic. It took place a thousand years before the Star Wars that, you know, and love let's learn about other new Jedi and stuff. And I have read like a lot of those books and comics. And to me, it seems like really incoherent. And I don't really remember like anyone's names or like Mm. why I'm supposed to care about them. And like there's a bad guy, but he's like basically doing a like I want to take over the galaxy stuff. And I look at all that and I compare it to like (laughs) this. And I'm like, are you telling me we could have had dragon armor planet of the apes and Jedi's? as dragon riders and inst- and like lion dragon people and like there's this one jedi that's like a jellyfish in a jar on legs like we could have had all of this and instead you're just like star wars but make it more elegant i'm like no, no 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 no, no. go back to the messy stuff i know not all <laughs> of it was perfect but you were at least trying to do some interesting things
0: well let's I guess let's talk about this last Jedi versus Sith book because I did read this one and I have one thought that I want to get, I want to speak to before we wrap up this, this dramatic Sith garbage yes. um, that we have, we've have gone through.
2: Yes. So this comic wildly Jedi versus Sith, wildly different art style from these nineties ones. We're like jumping ahead a few years into 2001. This comic was being published in the summer of 2001. So like the prequel films have started coming out, but we're still Mm -hmm. not totally locked into all the prequel stuff. This book, um, we meet like three young child characters who who are all over the age of five. I want to say, and (laughs) maybe, (laughs) well, like they're all talking and they're all like interacting with each other in a way that suggests that they're beyond their toddlerdom. And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm uh a jedi shows up to their homeworld and was like i'm here looking for force sensitive kids what's up and all the children are just like oh my god pick me take me off this like muddy mud ball of a world and the jedi is like great we're going to an active war zone kids and they're like cool and i'm like why I'm is this die, <laughs> it's just, this is this is what gives uh i guess more context to why qui-gon jinn was just like i'm gonna take this kid and um i'm sure it'll be fine because this is just like <laughs> what the jedi are doing they're like i will take this small child with me and i'm sure it will be fine
1: it's like so on, on the all- spaceship we we meet two other kids that he had already picked up mm-hmm. uh, who i believe are promptly killed <laughs> promptly killed we see them
2: they're so excited to be here in this act of war zone and then the ship gets blasted in two, and they're destroyed so right away we have our stakes that the kids could die at any time so when the two like children who died are blasted away the um the youngest child a girl like falls out of the ship and the jedi master is like She's dead. Don't worry about her. But she's not dead. She was saved by a giant flying force fish because the fish on this planet fly the skies and are my new favorite thing.
0: They're just big emotion balls that float through the sky in packs of like weird bubbles of text. It's so bizarre.
2: It's so good. Oh, my God. The Jedi Master in this book... I just wanted to like grab this comic book and shove it back in time to the script writers for the prequel films because he's the one that's saying like a lightsaber doesn't make you a Jedi and mm-hmm. not everyone serving the Dark Lords is a monster. Not everyone on our side is a hero. And I'm just like, hello. <laughs>
0: hello. Well, I mean, we cut to an active war zone where there's like hundreds of dudes with lightsabers on both sides fighting each other, which I thought was insane. Um, yeah and we meet the coolest villain in all of the star wars comics i've read as far as i'm concerned but uh, i don't mean to get too far ahead of where things are
2: i mean you're 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 basically where things are we're talking about darth bane um Mm -hmm. darth bane is like the sith like the sith guy and he's um he's the one where we get the sith rule of two the whole like there can only be a master and, a, and an apprentice and that's it. So we're going from like the Sith being a people on a planet being ruled by like force sensitive people who have turned to the dark side to the Sith being like a bunch of bad dude force users to Darth Bane being like, no, 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 no. I'm the Sith. I will have one apprentice. And there's a moment in this comic where he explains his rationale because he's in this room full of Siths. And he's like, we should be stronger than this. You know what the problem is? There's too many of us. There's too many of us using the dark side. If there's only mm-hmm. one of us using the dark side, then that person will have all of the power and the power will be more concentrated and this is what we should be doing. So that's where that comes from.
0: <laughs> I mean, I love that, right? Like that moment for me, this is why I almost read this this series like all the way to the end because Darth Bane being like, all of you are weak and if i kill all of you i will be the strongest that there is and then the woman that one of the women who was like on the sith side who came with him as he's like having this rant to himself she's like what if there's two of us he's like maybe there should be two of us and all (laughs) of the rest should die (laughs) so because like he reveals this whole plan to her and she goes you're not going to kill me right and he's like there no. should be two Sith. <laughs> it's just I thought that was like the funniest bit cuz like he's such a serious like puritanical tyrant character. He reminds me of like Doctor Doom but for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Just I love him so much. <laughs> like his absurd strictness and like purity is like is just I don't know, it's too much for me. I just I loved it.
2: It's great. He's super he's like super campy in this book, which is again, messy Sith who live for drama.
0: So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah, this so we're with this series, we're kind of seeing the Jedi Sith conflict being played out like on the battlefield and also between um, the two boys who came to this planet. And they're both like kind of going through it and experiencing war for the first time. And the one who like wanted to be a Jedi is now like disillusioned by war and thinks the Jedi are weak and like un- unworthy of songs and legends and stuff. So he starts turning to the dark side um
0: He also lets an old man die and steals his lightsaber.
2: Yes, <laughs> he's a little. Punk. Which is like,
0: I was like, whoa! Like, not only one are these kids going into an active war zone, but two. Like, they just she just straight up lets an old man die and goes, "Yeah, I'm just gonna yeah. take this. I'm just gonna anything. take
2: that dude's lightsaber." <laughs> and while the old man's dying, he's just like no, you can't just take my weapon. But then the weapon, like, confers legitimacy upon the kid because the other Jedi see it and they're like, well, if that Jedi gave you his we- weapon, he must have trusted you. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. this is why you fell. This is why you this fell is, to Palpatine. It's awesome.
0: This kid's like, <laughs> if, if I keep lying like this, everybody loves me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the plot twist is that the little girl did survive. And so she comes back. But then the plot twist to the plot twist is that she turns to the dark side because somebody kills her favorite flying force fish and she kills them out of anger and Darth Bane finds her. And he's like, Hey, did that feel good? Do you want to do that again?
1: <laughs> stranger danger, stranger, danger, <laughs>
0: stranger danger. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and like, that's where the series ends is like, everyone's dead except for Darth Bane and this like little girl. Who's definitely like four or five years old. Um, I will say that another, like, thing that is awesome and also terrifying where I'm just like, God, the movies are so, uh the post-Disney stuff is so reductive. We could be doing some really weird shit. Like, they they decide to create a thought bomb. Hell yeah. Which I want to, <laughs> is thought like, thought like you're thinking, not not thought like the slang. And it's just like, everyone is. Uh, You're, like, concentrating your mental powers of darkness into, Uh like, you could, like, manifest your Sith powers into, like, a bomb that will go off and obliterate Force users in a certain radius. So the Sith are like, we're strong enough to survive this if we set this off next to the Jedi. Spoilers, they're not. But, uh, you know, after the thought bomb goes off, Darth Mm -hmm. Bane and this little girl, like, walk up to it and it's, like, a giant black egg floating in the middle of this like chamber where it went off and Darth Classic. Bane is like anyway all these guys were idiots let's go do evil and you're like
0: okay amazing it's, 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 it's just, the it's opposite great. of the Mandalorian right now right where it's a guy who adopts a young child but they're going to do bad things instead of good things
2: yeah my takeaway from this this particular series was you should never bring children to an active war zone with the intention of having <laughs> them fight and um <laughs>
1: Hot take. Okay. Hot take. <laughs> you heard it. You're on IRCB. My
2: my, uh, my other my other takeaway is that um, we should let Star Wars be weird again immediately because one of the Jedi in this book is like a fancy boy who has a a ship that looks like a pirate ship from our world and like the figurehead on the ship is a unicorn, so we can confirm oh, yeah. the existence of space unicorns. And also some some other Jedi like make snide comments about this man having horse blood, so I can only assume he's like part centaur, and he's allowed to be like a Jedi who has like fancy capes and stuff. Everyone's like making fun of him for always being like prim and proper, like the Lord of the Rings cast, like ragging on Orlando Bloom the entire time they were shooting Lord of the Rings.
0: For... <laughs> <laughs> but, like... so what you're saying is we need to bring back like. Regular, average, everyday Jedi who are just like yeah. dudes with swords yeah. who are who are of the regular class of people. Yeah, I like yeah,
2: it. I mean, you know, sometimes they're um, guys with expense accounts for fancy wardrobes and ships mm-hmm. with unicorn figureheads. But yeah, average dude Jedi. Not everyone needs to be like chosen. Not everyone needs to be like a Skywalker like sometimes you can just be a uh, floating jellyfish in a walking jar <laughs> and that's <Totally>. cool too. <laughs> but uh but Mike this was a lot for you to digest. What what are your thoughts about all of this?
0: Um I like the Darth Bane. I think I'm going to finish this Jedi versus uh, Sith. I've been rating it consistently two out of five in my Google spreadsheet, but I also can't stop reading it. Like, I actually enjoyed reading it, but it's a bad comic book. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I can't say like, these think are good. I,
0: I think I'm going <laughs> to go back and finish Dark Lords of the Sith, too, because I actually like the absurdity of it. Like, every issue, the, jet, uh, the Sith just kept being, like, more, like, flamboyantly evil like yeah. for evil's sake and i kind of love that um so yeah i definitely definitely enjoyed what i read um and i I'm just can't believe that these are Star Wars comics, right? Like, I right. feel like I understand like the bricks of what makes Star Wars. And it turns out I've been working with clay and like brick and stone <laughs> and all these other materials were out there. Um, and Disney has just decided to forego them. And that's kind of a shame. So I mean, my, um, I'm, my whole... I'm glad that Marvel Unlimited has this. I guess that's what I'll say.
2: Yeah. My ultimate takeaway is the prequels ruined everything because all these comics, for the most part, <laughs> were written prior to the prequels. And the prequels were just like you can't have romantic attachments, you can't have families. It's all mm-hmm, midichlorians. Mm-hmm. We steal your babies when they're young. And this one's this one this version is like messier and makes more sense. So mm-hmm. my my takeaway was not so much Disney ruined everything. My takeaway was George ruined everything.
0: So <laughs> Right. People have been saying that for years though. So I think we 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 all should just come to un- understand and accept that
2: it's like the prequels ruined everything and that's fine
0: yeah i guess brian did you have any last thoughts on here before we we wrap things up for the day
1: uh no i mean uh, other than like the, the same feeling that Kara has expressed that like we could have had this star wars yeah and instead we got the the most sanitized version possible just like oh man i i wish we could have gotten some some of this wild shit on screen yeah maybe in the next reboot maybe in the next reboot
0: i guess to wrap things up um i like i said probably gonna try to at least read a little bit more of these them being on marvel unlimited makes it ten thousand times easier for me to access it so definitely would do that um but next week Tia, Kate, and I are going to be talking about the best depictions of death in comics. That's going to be really interesting. Um, I'm very excited to see what version of Sandman and other entities that we already know exist out there will come up, so that should be fun. As always you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Discord, Goodreads, YouTube. If you're still listening, I'm going to say right now, we record a post credits that goes only on our Patreon. And we're going to record that after we finish today. So if you're still here, that's going to be coming up. and You can find that on our Patreon if you go to patreoncom podcast, because we are on Patreon where you can support us. Um and it's a great way to get access to things like the Mike's X-Men blind box which is coming out. IRCB movie club where this month, next month I should say, we're talking about American Splendor. I'm very excited about that. Uh <laughs> plus plenty of other things. Better Batmobile season two. Um, and I think we're trying a couple other pilot season style things this year. So get excited for that. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is there to catch you when you fall in your dreams and you suddenly wake up. He's there for you. I want to say thank you to Danny for proof listening this episode. Thank you to everyone hanging out with us on Discord. Thank you to Kara and Brian for being on this episode and putting me through it this week. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening this far in the episode, thank you so much for being the best fantastic human being you possibly could be until next time comics are good and so are you